This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. As always, I'm joined by Nick Horwat, and for the first time in basically two months, we have some negative things, or at least more negative things to say than positive things about the Pittsburgh Penguins in this episode. But the sky, let me let me preface this entire conversation with this. The sky is not falling, Pittsburgh. You guys can calm down. For those of you that are freaking out about a three-game losing streak in January. And uh, we'll have negative things to say, obviously, because they didn't play great the past three games. That's why they lost all three of them. But we will have some positive things to say as well. So, Horwat, uh, how are you feeling after the Penguins lose as many games in this past weekend as they did the previous two calendar months, basically? You know, uh, I'm not feeling the worst because they, there was a couple of overtime losses sprinkled in there, giving us a couple of needed points because again we're not playing teams right now at least in this past week and we're not playing teams that are, that are going to be vying for the metro like we are yeah if you're going to lose uh a pity point to the kraken or the uh the red wings hurts a little more because they're still in the east but uh, if you're going to lose a pity point to anybody let it be those teams that's perfectly okay hmm. uh, again it's just it's not ideal but you you got to take your losses somewhere. You're not going to win 82 games. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win 70 games. You're going to take some losses. And if you're going to lose to anybody, let it be those teams. And for what it's worth, pulling out points isn't the worst thing in the world, regardless of how good or bad they're playing. That's why I kind of threw up the uh, the quotes when you said losing streak. Yeah. Well, yes, it is a losing streak. We were on an eight-game point streak going into that game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's, that means something whenever, again, you're playing against teams that aren't vying for the Metro or teams that are, I don't know, just hockey teams. Mm. Yeah, no, this weekend, this weekend wasn't great by any stretch of the word, but to get two out of the possible six points, not the worst thing in the world for a team that right now is not playing their best hockey. I mean, the NHL season, like you said, 82-game season. You're going to have peaks. You're going to have valleys. And the fact is, right now, the Penguins are going through a little bit of a slump, a little bit of a valley. And to still be able to collect a couple points is a positive. So let's get into the weekend slate. We're not going to dive into the Kraken game or the Red Wings game really at all just because they were so long ago. There really wasn't much to speak of when it comes to actual talking about hockey there. They lose 2-1 to one to the Seattle Kraken in a game where they offensively couldn't get going. Second period was good, but Philip Grubauer stood tall. And then in the third period, you get the power play goal by Malkin and then just not able to really do anything else defensively in the third really bad breakdowns against the Seattle Kraken. You lose 2-1 to one in overtime. You do pick up the pity point. Again, second game you take on the Detroit Red Wings. Casey DeSmith gets the start. He makes probably one of the best saves of the NHL season. So shout out to Casey DeSmith for amazing save. Number one on SportsCenter Top 10. So that take that for what you will. And honestly, not an awful game by Casey DeSmith. You don't hate to see it. He kept him in it. He gave him an opportunity, and he picked up a point in the standings for him. So not a bad performance there by him. Again, bottom six struggling. We'll talk about that. They lose 3-2 to two in a shootout to the Detroit Red Wings. And then the game we're going to talk about a little bit more, a 4-3 to three regulation loss 
to the Los Angeles Kings before any of it even got started. Danton Heinen was a late scratch due to an upper body injury. Redeem Zahorna stepped in, and I thought he had a pretty decent game. As decent as anybody in the bottom six, because the bottom six wasn't really productive in this game. Neither was most of the team at 5-on-5, five five, to be completely honest. But I didn't think Big Z or Big Z played all that horribly in uh, in a relief for Danton Heinen, especially at a last minute's notice. He he seemed to be all over the ice, actually. Yeah. You know, not producing, but being around the puck, getting puck possession, and being big with Jeff Carter, just being tall. Mm-hmm. He, It just seemed every... Um, moment you forgot he was playing to that day, uh, he all of a sudden was picking up the puck and trying to do something with it. So not a terrible game. Again, no points, but uh, not a bad performance for being a last-second uh, introduction to the lineup. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at this game overarching, obviously you get the two goals from Brian Rust. You get the beautiful goal by Sidney Crosby, but you still end up falling short to a Los Angeles Kings team that Five out of the six periods that the Penguins have played the Kings this year, they've struggled. They did not play well realistically in any of the periods in that game in Los Angeles. And in this game, I mean, the first period was okay. The second period was abysmal by the Pittsburgh Penguins, just not great. And the third period, albeit with a nice little stretch there to tie the game, the majority of that period wasn't good. If you look at their analytic numbers via natural stat trick, especially the high danger chances for the first period, they were great. They had 71% of the high danger chances, but then in the second and third period, they only had 25% of those chances. And then to even more, you know, show how poorly they played later in the game, expected goals for in the first period was, you know, they, they shared it pretty evenly with the LA Kings at 51%, but the second period, they didn't even reach 30%, 29.7. And the third period and a period in which it came into it, down two goals, they only had 40% of the expected goals. So not a great game analytically for the Pittsburgh Penguins, not a great game at 5-on-5 five five as a whole for the Penguins, no matter if you look at the analytics or not. Luckily, though, their power play has been much better lately, and their power play scored for two out of four attempts on, on Sunday in a really good showing by them. Yeah, seeing the power play pick up is exactly what we wanted. Mm-hmm. We want the penalty kill to hold strong just as it has been, but... <clears throat> The power plays was our big struggles part, or uh, our big struggle for the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And it always has been very inconsistent, which is shocking given the firepower we've always had. But, yeah, you want to see it turn around. Where's it rank in the league right now? It has to be picking up a little. Oh, it's picked up a lot, actually. Since Malkin's come back, the Pittsburgh Penguins power play has been converting at a much higher clip. Four for eight during this current losing streak. So if you're looking in this three-game losing streak, and you put air quotes around it, which, fair enough, but they still lost three in a row, but still, 50% in those three games. The power play is not the reason this team is losing games right now, and their total percentage for the season is up to 20.6, which puts them at 13th in the National Hockey League. Oh, it's not bad. League average, I guess, is okay. No, I mean, they've been... A little ahead of league average. They've been in the 20s, and I think they were, like, 30th at one point in the league this year, so the fact that they've gotten up to 13th, that means that they've been really, really good as of late. And right now, honestly, I have no issues with that unit except for the fact that they play a little too loose sometimes. And we've seen a lot, especially in these three games, we saw a lot of shorthanded opportunities for the LA Kings, for the Red Wings, and for the Kraken in all three of those games. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, there was one point where the penalty kill was number one in the league and the power play was 30-31, maybe 32. Yeah. I don't think it dropped that low. Uh, but was started with a three, which is not ideal in a 32-league team, <laughs> yeah. in a 32-team league. 
Um, but yeah, picking it up in the right direction is good. Uh, I had a point. I forget what it was now. I'm not doing good this morning. I'm very hey. tired. I did a lot of drinking this weekend, so hey. I'm very tired right now. I can pick up the slack. I had literally no drops of alcohol this weekend. Lucky you. Well, not lucky. That's pretty sad. To be fair, <laughs> I watched sports and sports entertainment all we- entertainment all weekend. So fair. Um, I'm just trying to remember what it was. Just seeing the power play pick up is ideal. Oh, the second unit. That's what I want to start to see. If the first unit's not going to get it done, because like you said, they play very loose. They're going to give up. Um the shorthanded breaks but I would like to see more out of the second unit as well again I get that it's hard whenever it's what led by Kapanen um just trying to think of names Jeff Carter's out there who should score but who knows you kind of screwed on defense because it's Marino and Pedersen maybe you have to figure that out but while the first unit can get it done and can get it done pretty well it is the second unit that draws my attention as needing to improve as well yeah, you'd like to think that they could go out there and maybe pick up a big goal here or there, but realistically, your power play unit is your power play unit. Like your power play two unit only goes out there, I would imagine, to give your your number one unit like a blow if they're going on like back to back opportunities. But I don't expect much from a second power play unit. Honestly, just don't give up a goal. <laughs> that's that's my thing. Don't give up a goal. Maybe score one, but I'm not really like too worried about a second power play unit that's not that effective because realistically the first power play unit is doing all if not most of the heavy lifting for this team so I'm not too worried about the second unit yes yeah, so you're right about that you it is the mostly the first unit that has to get it done but you just like to see some production somewhere because I know Evan Rodriguez is on that second unit and he's just kind of gone quiet recently so uh, the regression to the mean might be the regression to the old Evan Rodriguez where you're getting healthy scratched in the postseason, buddy. No offense. He still has his opportunities and still has his chances to go back to what we saw of him earlier this year. It's just hard whenever it is Evan Rodriguez, and we just don't know what to expect still. And I think we'll talk about it in a minute with the lineup changes that Mike Sullivan threw out there on Sunday and what he might be looking to do on Tuesday against the Capitals. We're going to talk about all that, but maybe Evan Rodriguez bouncing back into the top six might give him a chance to turn things around and get back to where he was early on in the season. But to continue and finish off this game against the Kings, Trevor Moore has two goals, both goals. He victimizes Brian Dumlin. He's able to beat him on both Dumlin out of position, I think, on, on honestly both, and that especially that game-winning goal where Trevor Moore comes off the bench for the LA Kings and just slides and sneaks behind both Latang and Dumlin. Not a good look. You have to be a little bit more aware, especially as the number one D pairing of where everybody is on the ice. So hopefully this is just you know a thing that it happens. Yeah, everybody has a bad game, and, and it was a pretty bad game for Dumlin. Latang wasn't much better, but Dumlin specifically was victimized by Trevor Moore on both of his goals. He was. I, there's not much you can do about the line change one. Maybe you just need someone on the bench yelling at you to turn around. Mm-hmm. I, because it it just seemed like a a weird situation because we every team tries that mm-hmm. quick late change to have someone up ahead of the defenders and it just worked for the Kings here. Um, I genuinely don't know how much you can do because it's a tie game. You're the first power play unit and you know Latang is attacking. I think he had the puck when they went for the line change. Um, no, maybe he didn't. I don't know. But either way, it's hard to immediately know that there's someone behind you changing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. But ideally, yeah, you do want to know where everyone is on the ice. But at the same time, uh, Tristan Jari got to make some big saves sometimes. That one just, you know, so be it. 
it's mm-hmm. gonna happen too. It's breakaways, but I don't know. I don't. I didn't see that goal as a complete defensive breakdown. Just um. I don't know just, if it was defensive breakdown as much as just a breakdown in awareness by yeah, what's supposed just, to be your best defensive players. Yeah, just being caught on a change at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what it turned out to be. Yeah. So it hurts. It's not ideal. And it led to being the game-winning goal. But um, I don't know. I think the game could have been flipped in a couple other situations anyway. And plus, even after all that, Latang making a great save in the net Yeah. Um, to keep it close. Yeah, they rebuilt themselves somewhere. At the end of the day, we mentioned the analytical numbers and how poorly the Penguins played at five on five. They lost by a goal. It could have gone either way. And with that, I mean, you had a nice comeback in the third. They proved once again that there is no deficit that is too out of reach for this team. And they've, they've lost all three of these games. Yes, they lost by one goal. In each of these games, two of them going into extra extra time. So while they haven't been playing great, they've still been able to keep it close. And and a, the Kings team is a pretty good team. Like, they're a good team this year. They're a team that's going to go to the playoffs. I'm going to talk about them on tomorrow's episode of Hockey Hotbed. Is my favorite team in, in California. And that's more than the Ducks who are ahead of them in the standings and more than the Sharks that have been a surprise. So I, I like the way this Kings team is built. Um, but they were able to get the best of the Penguins in both opportunities and both matchups. And that's sometimes just what happens. Sometimes a team has your number. Yeah, the Kings are a very good team this year. The Pacific doesn't look phenomenal looking at the numbers. No. But... There's a lot of games in hand over there. It's getting kind of interesting. Yeah, it, that, the, the Pacific Division will be interesting. But you said they're your favorite team in California, and that's totally great because the Kings are a point behind the Ducks with a game in hand, and they have nearly identical records. 23-16... Uh, for both wins and losses for both the Ducks and the Kings, but the Ducks have an extra overtime loss with eight to mm-hmm. the Kings' seven, thus giving them an extra point. But regardless, first in the Pacific is are the, are the Golden Knights with 55 points. Yeah. The Kings are two points out of first in the Pacific. Yeah. And not that great. That's why I'm saying the Pacific isn't phenomenal right now, and it's not. But the Kings could turn it around. They could turn into a pretty good team to and a hard team to play in the playoffs if they keep playing this style. So I'm impressed by them. They're a good team, especially if you look at the roster. They keep making additions that are helpful. Drew Doughty seems to be returning to a form that is worth a contract. Mm-hmm. Victor Arvidsson's there. Andreas Athanasiu got his money, and he's there. Quinton Byfield's finally playing in the NHL. Yeah. Um, Dustin Brown is just being Dustin Brown, 37. Maybe he gets to an <laughs> old style of all of a sudden, Dustin Brown's very good again. Year. I mean, he did it last year. Exactly. As much as you don't like Brendan Lemieux, he's a decent player. Not Andre really. Kopitar is phenomenal. Not really. Not I think Brent, I think Brendan Lemieux could be gone from that team, and I would like them a whole lot more. But like, I to me, I think the fact that Ayafalo has been really good this year, Kempe has been really good this year, and I also really like the Dano addition. I think he's been great. And there was one other player that I wanted to mention. Oh, Arthur Kaliev is is a stud. So he's having a great season as well. Yeah. I- it's a it's impressive for this team that I was able to list off a couple and not even be finished with the list. Yeah. And we had a whole other thing to talk about. It's because we're still missing people that are contributors on this team. We didn't even talk about the goalie, the goaltending. Yeah, both goaltenders are playing pretty well. Yeah, so this is a good team that might be able to do a little something in the playoffs. They're still young and need to get a little more footing under them. I mean, they still yeah. carry Oli Mata on their team. <laughs> yeah. And for what it's worth, I mean, I, 
there was a quick moment that Sidney Crosby made Ole Mata look like a child. Well, so comparatively, that, yeah, he happen. is. Oh yeah, but that'll <laughs> happen. And also, like the Kings are still beatable. You can tell. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff Carter absolutely sunned Athanasiu on his <laughs> half break. He turned him into a child. I mean, again, yeah, that's a forward, but still, just the way Carter got his positioning in, just bodying him rather than fo- fully focusing on the puck to get around him. He stepped in front of him, then went back. Mm-hmm. This is a team that if they can just catch up to one or two good good pieces, they're a scary team. They're a team that mm-hmm. won't go away either. I think they're an impress- the Kings are an impressive team to play against, and thankfully they're in the West. Yeah. Thank- yeah, the Penguins are done with the LA Kings, thankfully. It just hasn't gone well this season, so we avoid them until potentially the Stanley Cup Finals, but that would be a, a surprise on both ends if either team or both teams may- were able to make it that far. But um, a couple more questions about this game. Uh, I was going to go into the Kings jerseys. They should continue to do those jerseys as their full time. That's basically the only thing I have. Uh, not the buckets. I don't like the, no. the shiny buckets, but oh well. That's a, that's a common opinion, so I guess we don't need to go too deep into it. But um, what did you think of the performance by Tristan Jari? You mentioned that that last goal, you know, it's percentages. It's a breakaway. You can't really call it on him. The first goal was deflected in by Crosby. What did you think of Tristan Jari's performance on Sunday afternoon? Not totally terrible. I think goalies will have their off games. Um, and he's playing ev- damn near every game of the year. Yeah. He's going to have his off games. Again, the Kings are just a very good team, and you want your defense to be a little bit more stout around you. Um, I'm just trying to think of some notes. He looked good. He looked good in the first period, I thought. First and partway through the second. I thought he had a pretty solid outing so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just defensive lapses that caused the rest of it. So... I didn't totally hate his game. Ideally, you want to make better saves, but um, getting beat short side doesn't help. Yeah. Those were some of the goals that I remember now, those first two. But again, I didn't totally hate it. Some of those some of those goals are going to happen. Mm-hmm. The way I look at his performance, I thought he was pretty sturdy and made all the saves that he really needed to make. I think when I look at the four goals he gave up, only one of them really bothers me from his standpoint. The first one was deflected in by Crosby. You can't do much about that, especially when he's right in front of you. Uh, The second one was the one that I had a little bit of an issue with. You were daring Trevor Moore to make that shot, and he did. I I think he just, Jari just kind of shrunk in his net a little bit too much. But again, that's the one that I had an issue with. The third one was a three-on-one, and the fourth one was a break, or a two-on-one, and the fourth one was a breakaway. So what you would like to get a save there? I don't hold any of those except for maybe the second one, and that's nitpicking that he kind of shrunk in his net a little bit too much. But realistically, the pass was covered, so he didn't worry about poke checking it. He just kind of didn't want to make or allow a, a redirection and a rebound in front of the net. He took that away, and he, he dared Trevor Moore to make the shot, and Trevor Moore made an absolutely beautiful backhand goal short side. So while I do wish he would have made that save... I think he had a pretty decent performance. Nothing, you know, overarchingly great. Nothing overarchingly bad. You just, you hate to see him give up four goals. But again, when, you know, one's deflected in by your own own player and the other two are on odd man rushes, including a breakaway, then it's not necessarily all on you. So uh, we'll see. I would imagine he gets the start against Washington, considering it's the last game before the break. Absolutely, he will. I don't, it's, get because the all-star break is going to turn into, for goalies, just a quick trip to Vegas where you occasionally have to skate side to side. And yeah, try no. not to hurt yourself. Yeah, it's a nice. It, I'm happy for him. It's a nice yeah, experience. I, I wonder how long until he's like, yeah, I don't want to go to these anymore. I think this might be it. 
Like, once you get get to two, one is, like, that first experience. The second one is, like, I know what to expect now so I can enjoy it more. Once you get past two, I feel like a lot of NHL players are, like, I'd rather just hang out. Especially the older ones. I just want to hang out with my family. Have that time. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I do have uh, a couple more things very quickly to touch on about that game before we go into uh, a quick edition of Sully Speak as well. We'll get into the depth scoring woes with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, there were a couple milestones and one milestone and one inching towards a milestone. Crosby's goal, of course, on Sunday was goal number 498. He's inching closer and closer to goal number 500. We'll see if he can do that with two goals on Tuesday against the Washington Capitals. And Jake Gensel, he reaches the 300 career point mark with an assist in Sunday's game. He reaches 300 points in 338 career games played. The fastest to do so from the 2013 draft class. And if we all remember who was in that draft class, that includes guys like Nate McKinnon, Alexander Barkov, Bo Horvat, Sean Monahan. Jake Ensel was able to get to 300 points faster than all of them. What? Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't and games played. That. Games played. Those guys are all at 300, game, 300 points already. But in oh, game, as okay. far as That's... games played, per, like, he did it 300 points in 338 games. That is the quickest any of those guys have done that. In points per game style. Okay. Yes. Got it. He yeah. scared me. I was like, Nathan McKinnon doesn't have 300 points yet? He's been around He for does, like... but it took him more than 338 games Got to get it. there. That's, Got yeah, it. I guess I phrased that incorrectly. But still, impressive from Jake Gensel, who has been, honestly, again, we mentioned it and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He's an elite goal scorer in this league. And it's not like he doesn't pick up assists either. He's a guy that's a playmaker as well. So uh, congrats to Jake on a great career accomplishment up to this point, And I'm sure it's going to keep going. Do you think Crosby uh, t- gets 500 against the Caps on Tuesday? You think he scores two? No. Crosby's not that much of a goal scorer. Yeah, he's, at fi- he's about to be at 500 goals, but we don't know Crosby as the goal scorer to the elite level. Elite level. Uh, we don't know or look at Crosby as the guy who's going to score goals. He scored his 1,000th point on an assist from uh, Chris Kunitz's goal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we really ex- – and that's just exactly how we expected his 1,000th point to go. Um, so for what it's worth, I think maybe he does. He does occasionally get his two goal games, but when's the last time he really popped off as taking over the game himself and scoring multiple goals? Uh, Friday the 21st against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He had a hat trick. Missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, last week. Yeah. A week ago, last Friday against the, the Blue Jackets. He scored two and then he put in the empty the netter. Empty That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, maybe. I still just don't look at him as as the guy who's going to get multi-goal games anymore because he has Jake to do that with. Yeah, fair enough. And and also Brian Rust on his wings. Yeah, he's still one of the greatest players in the league. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying this. It's his his game style has changed to focusing on playmaking and focusing on winning rather than uh, scoring the goals himself and Mm -hmm. picking up his personal stats. So let's move on to another edition of Sully Speak, the segment of the show where we play a clip from one of Mike Sullivan's press conferences, and then we react to his words. This week and on this edition, we have Mike Sullivan talking about the woes of the depth scoring, because in the last couple of games, it's only been the top end of the team, the top tier, the stars that have been putting the puck in the back of the net. What does Sully think about that? Here are his words after Sunday's loss to the LA Kings. Well, we just need guys to step up and, and take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them. And, and so that, that's part of it. When, uh, 
when our team's at its best, we're getting balanced scoring. We've got a balanced attack, uh, and and that's when we're at its best. And um, lately, that hasn't been the case, and that that makes it that much more challenging to win. So you know, guys are going to get opportunities to have a positive impact on the game. They got to make the most of it, and uh, you know, it's our job as coaches to try to put them in those positions and. Uh, and we'll do our very best as well to try to help them along the way here. But, um, you know, that, that's something that I think is obvious um, that, that we have to try to correct here. So that's Mike Sullivan on the lack of depth scoring from the Pittsburgh Penguins team. Not only has it not been existent in the past three games, during this three-game losing streak, they have scored six goals, one by Malkin, two by Jake Gensel, one by Crosby, and two by Brian Rust. That has been the only goal scoring. So no defensive scoring, no bottom six scoring. It's not been a good look for the Penguins, and obviously you heard Sullivan just there say, when we're at our best, we're scoring on all four lines. Clearly, with with only the top four players on the team scoring, the Penguins have struggled in these past three games. Yeah, it's not... That's... The depth scoring and the depth production is what led to a vast majority of our success in the mid-2010s five years ago you think of those guys that they're rental pieces for us usually not rental as in half a season but rental as in a couple seasons here and there those are the guys that were the penguins bread and butter nick benino carl haglin um carter rowney for a minute Uh, i'm trying to think of names that played uc yokin for a while uc yokin if you want to go way back yeah now we have guys that can still do it it's just they're not hitting the production level that we want them to be i mean we're absolutely toying with Kasperi Kapanen because he can't do shit anymore. Oof. He should be a top six guy anyway. Yeah. Uh, but Evan Rodriguez is, like I mentioned, regressing back to kind of what we expected. Nothing. <laughs> um, again, we understand that it's hard when everyone's getting injured or getting scratched last minute. It's hard to fill in that kind of role. But early in the season, those quick fill-ins were the reason why we were getting wins. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, Evan Rodriguez was had a good start. Danton Heinen, um, albeit, albeit uh, at the last second scratch on Sunday, stepping up in his uh, early portion of his tenure. Zach Gaston Reese, uh, Teddy Bluger, we know what they're all about, but they at least were able to shut down. Zach Gaston Reese just straight up doesn't score. <laughs> but there's that. Brock McGinn has been pretty solid. Our bottom six had a good start to the year and has since just leveled off. Mm-hmm. And that's not ideal. Jeff Carter's had to carry the weight as the bottom six leader now. Which, again, he's going to be, and he's not who we're here to talk about, but you want to give him some help. Yeah, when you look at the bottom six, there's a lot of negatives right now. Obviously, you're noticing how important Teddy Bluger is there because although he doesn't score a lot of goals, he creates a lot of opportunities. He's really good with the puck, and it's kind of underrated facet of his game because he's so good defensively and his his analytical numbers are so good that people think about that but with the puck he's really good in the offensive zone and that's a that's a big you know detriment to this team having him out now for still probably five to seven weeks because it's only been a week since he got injured and now you have Danton Heinen out as well so you're missing two really big pieces Heinen probably one of the more dangerous players in the bottom six when it comes to actual scoring threats but you mentioned it Kapanen struggling 
Rodriguez is ice cold. Brock McGinn has one goal in his last 10 games. And then who's left down there? I mean, Redeem Zahorna isn't expected to come in here and be a bulk scoring guy. Dom Simone has never been that guy for the Pittsburgh Penguins, even when he was playing on the top line a couple years ago. Zach Aston Reese had a career year last year in goals. He has won this season. So the only guy in the bottom six right now that has really shown any offensive acumen in the past week has been Brian Boyle for his between the legs goal. And he's not a guy that you can count on for consistent goal scoring. Those guys are the Rodriguez's, the Kapanen's, and when they're healthy, the Heinen's and Bluger's. Realistically, I, I count on Bluger to score 10 goals a year at this point. So I count consider him a consistent point scorer and a consistent goal scorer for this team in a fourth line role. So with all of that not going well, this team is struggling right now. And you notice it at five on five, they're not producing at all. All of their production is coming currently from the power play this past weekend. And honestly, if you go a little bit further, other than the third period, they struggled against Arizona as well. So things are not going great for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But like I said at the beginning of this entire episode, the sky isn't falling. It's just a lull in the season. Yeah, we're just in that midseason rut. No big deal. We can get past it. And you mentioned guys that we can't fully judge for this because they're not supposed to be in the lineup anyway. That's the other issue here is mm-hmm. Redeem Sohorno shouldn't have even played Sunday. Had to play. Played pretty okay. Yeah. Brian Boyle. As much as we enjoy seeing him in the lineup, and now he's a damn staple on the fourth line with Bluger <laughs> out forever and ever. Yeah. Um, at least he's, like you mentioned, doing pretty good. We're enjoying watching him play. The team loves him. And the fans love him. It's good to have him on this team. He's been solid. Mm-hmm. You can't complain there. And Dom Simone, just not supposed to be in this lineup. It's hard to really have a discussion about the bottom six when most of those guys aren't supposed to be there anyway. Yeah. But if they're there, do something. That was one of the beauties about last year is we, we would call guys up from the taxi squad, and next thing you know, we're hooting and hollering for them to stay in the lineup during the playoffs over guys like Evan Rodriguez, who we had to you know, shoehorn into the lineup during the regular season. Yeah, I think back to Frederick Goudreau. We don't have that sort of that sort of guy anymore who can step up and shock you. So Horno's supposed to do it. He just mm-hmm. hasn't yet. Uh, Simone, we know what to expect. Nothing. Well, we're getting that. Yeah, It's disappointing seeing, we're mentioning McGinn and Heinen and, and Kapanen, mostly, as doing nothing. Sure, we're bashing on Kapanen, uh, but we just expected more than, I mean, he has 24 points. That's not terrible, but we just expected more. That's all it is. He's we just per- expected way more. His numbers are a production of a third-line player, but we expected him to be a top-line to second-line player. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. We expected way more than what we're getting. I don't hate yeah. 24 points for a Kasperi Kaplan. I don't. I, I do, considering the way he's got them. But we'll talk about that exactly. in the next segment. Yeah. Okay, good. We'll talk about that in the next segment, because we're actually going to talk about potential trades for Kasperi Kaplan, because that is now something that has, has come up on the radar for a lot of people in the city of Pittsburgh. But to finish off this segment here, you are already talking about it a little bit. Let me bring up the, the roster from and the lineup. From, from Sunday's game. Obviously, Mike Sullivan seeing this, and he mentioned that in the little clip that we played of him, saying, listen, all we can do is give them the opportunities, and that's what we're going to try to do, and that's what you could see that he was doing on Sunday, trying to switch the lines around, trying to get certain people going. Obviously, he's not going to touch the Gensel-Crosby-Rust line. That's been the most productive line for the Penguins basically the last three seasons. Evgeny Malkin at 5-on-5 five five has kind of plateaued a little bit from where he came off dominant early on. That's why they give him a guy like Brock McGinn, who's going to be able to forecheck well, create turnovers, get him an opportunity, and throw in Evan Rodriguez there, who they're going to try to get him going again and get him to the level that he was early on in the season. Because even Rodriguez, 
where he was at at the beginning of the season is better than a Kasperi Kapanen where he was at his best this season. So to get Rodriguez right, I think that's a good decision to get him up there. Third line, this is where it gets interesting. Zach Aston Reese, Jeff Carter, and what was supposed to be Danton Heinen, which ended up being Redeem Zahorna. That's where, that to me, that's the biggest tell of where Kapanen is right now. And again, I know we're, we have a whole segment devoted to him next, next segment, but the fact that Heinen goes out and your response is not to put Kapanen up in the third line with Carter and Aston Reese, but to put Zahorna, who wasn't supposed to play, who was expected to be sitting there eating nachos in a suit, throw him on the third line, keep Kapanen with Boyle and Simone on the fourth line, and only give him six minutes of ice time at five on five? That is a true testament to where Kasperi Kapanen is at in the eyes of Mike Sullivan, in my opinion. This lineup just doesn't look fun. I... I look at the whole lineup. You focused on this on the third line. I look at the second and wonder what the hell happened because clearly Kapanen's supposed to be up there with Malkin. That's where he's supposed to be. That's where he was last year and played phenomenally. Mm-hmm. And Zucker's obviously hurt, but at the same time, replacing with Brock McGinn is not ideal at the moment given what we've seen McGinn do, which is be a solid bottom six producer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that second line gives me so much pause. I can't believe that. Third line again: Carter and Heinen. I we. Without before his before Heinen being kicked out of the lineup, it, it's not terrible. I don't hate seeing Carter and Heinen together. I think that's where, if I was to look at my preseason predictions, you swap McGinn and Heinen, and that's exactly where I had him. Mm-hmm. It's just so brutal looking at this lineup right now because of injuries and just bad luck. But those wing those wingers don't make me excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Dom Simone isn't fun anymore. Captain on the fourth line is just disappointing me. McGinn's a good player. I just don't expect to see him on the second line with Malkin. You're right, though. He couldn't create opportunities. Uh, but you know it's only temporary. Aston Reese on the third, not fun because he's a fourth liner. That's all there is to it. This yeah. Looking at these wingers is so unfun. I don't hate Rodriguez on the second because of what he's done earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But he's he's done nothing recently. Like you mentioned, ice cold. So I struggle to look at this lineup and feel excited. Yeah. And that really sucks to say. I just look at that first line and expect them to carry. You can't do that. No. And you see what happens when you when you try to do that. The Pittsburgh Penguins have lost three in a row. Yeah. This is so unfun. Well, goodness. When I look a fully at this... healthy lineup is a ton of fun. Yeah. To be fair. Like, a fully healthy Penguins lineup is so much fun. And we saw what it can do. The closest we've been to full health this year, we went on a hell of a winning streak. Mm-hmm. So this team is a fun team when everyone's there. We just need to stop hitting this bad luck of being hurt, having these ice-cold players in Rodriguez and Kapanen. We figure that out. Like, like we'll talk about Kapanen in a minute. We figure out the Rodriguez and Kapanen situation. We get everyone healthy again. This is a hell of a fun team. Yeah. Cut the fat. That's what we have to do. Well, I think when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and you look at this lineup, the reason I, I circled the bottom six is because that is so decimated right now. But... Looking at the, this is the first time that we've seen, or at least that I can recollect, that Mike Sullivan has been this liberal with changing his lines. He's usually like, I will switch one thing here, one thing there, but realistically, he likes his pairs, and we've always mentioned this. He likes his pairs, and usually it was, you know, Gansel Crosby, Malkin Kappen, and Aston Reese and Bluger. Well, he's forced out of that, and also, who was on Malkin's wing earlier this week? It was Heinen and Kapanen. So he doesn't know what's going to work right now with Evgeny Malkin because Danton Heinen, 
he's been struggling since he came back in the lineup. Kasperi Kapanen, he's just an anchor. And we'll talk about that. You know what? Let's let's cut to break, end this segment, take a breath, come back in the next segment after we pay the bills a little bit, and let's talk about a potential Kasperi Kapanen trade because that's where we're at at this point. We're talking about potential, potentially trading a guy that we expected at the beginning of the season to potentially be, I'm saying potential way too many times, but to be one of the best players on this team. So we'll be right back after this. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams for Super Bowl 56. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Super Bowl, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5, get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, make sure you play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. Why? Because new customers can get a free shot and a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and you can win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line at one 800 889-9789 in Connecticut call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org/chat in New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny to 467369 Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We're going to talk about a potential Kasperi Kapanen trade because that's where we're all at at this point. I mean, seeing him put out on the fourth line for the Pittsburgh Penguins, it, especially in a lineup where you had a late scratch on the third line in his position on the right wing, is not good. We'll get to that, but before that, a quick shout-out to former Pittsburgh Penguin, Sergei Zubov. His number 56 was retired by the Dallas Stars on Friday, and for those of you that don't remember it, it was a very quick stint. He only played in Pittsburgh for one season back in 1995-1996. He scored 66 points in 64 games, the Hall of Famer did. on. He's a blue liner, too, for those of you that don't remember. He played defense, scored 66 and 64, helped the Penguins to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, where they eventually did lose to the upstart Florida Panthers. I feel like that's the forgotten team. You look back at the 90s, you have the the Cup champions in 1991 and 1992. You have that absolutely asininely best team of all time in Pittsburgh Penguins history in 92-93. People forget that 95-96, they were a game away from the Stanley Cup Finals against the Colorado Avalanche. It was such a fun team. I'm just rolling down the lineup for that. You still have Tom Brasso in that, who was still pretty good. I'm pretty yeah. sure during the didn't during the playoffs didn't Ken Reggett play most of the games. Brasso may have gotten hurt, um, but for the regular season, Brasso was 29 and 16, 29, 16 and two mm-hmm. in 49 games played. Ken Reggett was in 37, 2013 and two. So they were both salt. They probably just went back and forth quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but just looking at some of the names on this lineup, I already mentioned Brasso. Our boy Rusty Fitzgerald, Ron Francis, Yarmir Yager, Mario Lemieux, uh, Ian Moran, 
Marcus Nasland when he was still here and still very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Nedved, Richard Park, uh, Thomas Sandstrom. Uh, where is it? Sergey Zubov down at the bottom there. It, this was a hell of a lineup. Yeah. That was that had to be the year that, I mean, they were led by Lemieux, Yager, and Francis. Was that one of the skyline years? It might have been. I don't. It I don't. Had to I don't been. exactly recall as I was negative one at the time. But, oh yeah. <laughs> but still, just it was a. This was a very top heavy team though, because there's not. I'm really looking at it though. There's not too much uh, bottom scoring, but that's how the '90s went for the Penguins. Very top heavy, but Listen. somehow found ways to win. Do not disrespect Stefan Bergqvist, who played three games, two games, excuse me, in that season. He was a great piece. Him and Drake Barahowski. At least find someone who scored a point. Okay, let me go up here. Ken Reagan had more points than both. Alex Stojanov. Alex Stojanov had one point. Right winger. Played ten games. I'll take Corey Foster. Defenseman. Eleven games. Four points. Two goals, two assists. (laughs) Boom. Yeah, no, we can do this all day. That's fun. But uh, no, it, it was a, a nice moment there. I don't understand why they, I mean, they could have changed it. I don't know, understand why they had Zubovs on the same night as Henrik Lundqvist. Because I didn't even know that Zubov was getting his number retired until that day. Until literally like 6.30, I turned on the, the Lundqvist one. And then on my phone, I saw something that said Zubov got his number retired in Dallas tonight. And I was like, what? Like, why did I not know this? Like, I don't understand the... The marketing there, I think it's a poor strategy. But nonetheless, I mean, congratulations it was, to Sergei Zubov. It, it was two New York Rangers legends getting their number retired. That's all. You got to remember, Zubov was also drafted a New York Ranger and played there for three seasons before Pittsburgh. And, and won a cup in his rookie year there. you damn right he did. Yeah, back in 94. So, I mean, I thought that was stupid, and I'll go on a rant on that tomorrow. So I don't need to. I don't want to give it too much time here. But, uh, no, congratulations to Sergei Zubov nonetheless. Hockey Hall of Famer. And now... Uh, Obviously, a Dallas Stars Hall of Famer gets his number hung up there. But uh, let's move into the uh, the sour grapes, the negative Nancy part of this episode. Should the Penguins trade Kasperi Kapanen? Should he be on the trade market, Horwat? Yes. Yes? Ah, yes. That was pretty quick. Matter of yep. fact, too. Yep, I've been saying it since uh, Jake DeBrusque requested his trade again. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, Jake DeBrusque still has not been traded. So, Ron Hextall. I have a, another idea for you. It makes a lot more sense now than it did back when you first said it. So, I mean, you'll get the, you obviously deserve the credit if it ends up happening. Ain't that the damn truth? Uh, here's the thing. Jake DeBrus has been requesting a trade out of Boston for how long? At this point, I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, the time has to be right for them. They're, they're also a team that doesn't have depth scoring. So they're a team that isn't doing great either. Yeah. But hey, you know what? Change of scenery always helps people, right? Kasperi Kapanen, we know he has the skill. We've seen it. We saw it last year. He had 30 points in 40 games last year. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good good number, and we're kind of close to what we expected him to be at this year. Right now, we're not getting that, so why not give him his change of scenery, see what he can do in Boston, but also bring in Jake DeBrusque, who I feel like could produce a little more than what we're getting from Kapanen right now. They're ideal basically identical players i went over all that a few up a little while ago mm-hmm. um they make damn near the same amount of money they're both up as rfas this year and i think the positions are different but that's really it they're damn near identical players they both could use a change of scenery and could both be productive with new teams 
Yeah, I'm looking right now. Okay, yeah, Jake DeBrusque isn't really physical. He only has 21 hits this year. So I didn't know if Jake DeBrusque was a little bit more physical than Kasperi Kapanen because Kapanen is uh, not physical, to say the least. Um, but the problem with Kapanen to me, I mean, obviously you saw he was bumped to the fourth line on Sunday before Heinen left and was kept on the fourth line even after Heinen was kept out. Nine goals and 24 points in 44 games. Like you mentioned, on the surface, that's not bad. If you watch the games, and I know you have, but if you watch the games and watch his performance, he's bad. He is not good this year. I mean, think about three of his nine goals, 33% of his goals, that's quick math for you, is from one game. He had the hat trick game, and that's it. And then also some of the other goals, I remember at least two or maybe three that went off his ass or went off his skate and in. It wasn't even really him. So it's an issue that he's not playing well with anybody. And he, he's, he's not good enough to be on the first power play unit. I guarantee you he would not have been on the second power play unit if Heinen was still in the lineup on Sunday. He's a guy that is also set to be an RFA at the end of the season. What are you going to sign him for at the end of the year? You have so many other players to sign. Would I rather sign Kasperi Kapanen or sign Evan Rodriguez at this point? I'd rather sign Evan Rodriguez. He's proved more. He, he's cheaper. He's proven more. And also, that gives you the freedom to potentially try to get Brian Rust in under the salary cap. That's that's what you're trying to do there. You're trying to keep the best team that you possibly can. And right now, Kasperi Kapanen is not there. I mean, I don't know. If, I feel like I might be laying it on a little thick, but realistically, he has shown me basically nothing for over half of a season now, and he's played most of the year. So I, I just don't understand it. And I, obviously, neither does Mike Sullivan. That's why he's trying to get him started by doing the same thing he did last year. I mean, it's not like we have to look far. He put him down on the fourth line last year, and then Kapanen eventually turned it around. If that doesn't happen this year, the Penguins aren't going to re-sign him. And if you're not going to re-sign him, and he's playing this poorly, why do you have him on the lineup? Try to get a trade. Fourth line is where he started him last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I get the process behind it. You know, shove him down, make him work his way back up. I like that. That's what you should do whenever players aren't playing well anyway, and that's how it should go for any player. If they're not playing well, bump them down, give them less ice time, let them figure it out on their own. And this is a perfect player to do that with because we saw it last year. He had to work his way up the lineup. Now, granted, he started on the fourth because Sullivan set up pretty sure he wants him to catch up to the game again because he missed the beginning of the season with a COVID situation. Last year, he didn't. Last year, he was not over because it was the COVID situation. He couldn't get a visa. Yeah, that's what he couldn't get into the situation. Couldn't yeah. get into the country, and we had started the season, and Sullivan wanted wanted him to catch up to speed. Yeah, this year we know he's up to speed. All right, shove him down there and just have him work his way back up because we've seen it before. It's not a terrible idea, but at this point, you're mentioning the off season stuff. You're right. Who would you rather resign? Because you're gonna be forced to offer Kapanen something. That's the hard part there. If you hold on to the end of the season, yet you're you're forced to do something. No, don't 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 tender a qualifying offer. Let him walk to free agency after the deadline. Just how that works. Uh, if you, I think there's a deadline. The right way. Yeah, if you, there's a way that they can say literally. Also, if anybody offers him a contract, the Penguins could just say, "I'm not matching it." Bye. Yeah. Yeah, but who's doing that? Somebody will offer him a contract. Honestly, somebody will offer him something. But at the yeah. same time, when you look at the Penguins, they have more important things than a guy that. At this point, is a project. It he's hurts. not a he's not a proven thing this year. He's a project right now. It hurts because we expected so much more out of him. I, I really don't know how much further to take it. Just we expected so much more. We're getting nothing, and it's time to move on. Quite mm-hmm. literally, because 
as much as we do want him to succeed, it is just now on him. He still has some tryout games left before push really does come to shove, and it's time to start legitimately getting people on the phone about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's maybe this all-star break will do him some favors. Mm-hmm. That's what we can look for. I mean, the all-star break is what? Thursday, week. Friday through the Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, t- they play Tuesday. Play at- Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday and then what after the break? Then Tuesday. Tuesday after? Yeah, Tuesday and He's Tuesday. got a week. He's got a week. Figure it out. Those few, those first few games after the All-Star break, in my opinion, are going to be huge for him. Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't have it figured out after three or four games, he's yeah. not moved back up the line. Well, one, one game at a time per line here. <laughs> yeah, honestly. If he's not moved back up by then, get people on the phone. Especially if, if the we, Penguins don't have anybody else come back in the lineup. Like, we don't know how long Danton Heinen's going to be out. We haven't gotten that news from Sullivan yet, although and I that's believe why they're give, at practice. And that's why I'll give Kapanen a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there because we're not going to have guys coming back into the lineup. And I'd, at this moment still, I think I'd rather see Kapanen get the ice time over Dom Simone or another minor league call-up just because we know he can do it. It's just a matter of him figuring it out. Mm-hmm. There's less question marks around Kapanen than there are immediately giving a guy like Legare or Poulin his NHL debut, bringing uh, Bjorkvist back up. There's just less question marks there. Yeah. Honestly, with the way that Kapanen's been playing, and then we'll we'll finish this conversation off with what you would expect a return, what type of return would you want? Sounds like you want Jake DeBrusque, which is basically saying that you want you know, a change of scenery, one-for-one type deal. Maybe somebody throws in a hook of a third-round pick to try to entice the other side. But honestly, when I look at this, trade them for a pick, open up some cap space so you can do something else. Like, I I hate to give up on the guy like that because he could be good. But honestly, right now, I would rather see, you mentioned Legere and Poulin, I'd rather see Valtteri Pustinen come up. That's that's another name. He's leading Wilkes-Bear right now and, and scoring and, Honestly, give him a shot. We're in the dog days of the NHL season. Bring him up. Healthy scratch Kasperi Kapanen for a couple games. Give him a rest and see what Pustin's got here in a, in a quick little stint. Yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. It's we just it's the only thing there is, like I said, there's just still a couple more question marks. You just don't know. Yeah. That's the one downside of that. Like I, I enjoy the idea of calling guys up. That's where I wanted the Penguins to be at last year. Mm-hmm or the year before, going into this year, whatever it may have been, where it was focus on the young guys who were going to be, you know, the lifeblood of this team in a couple of seasons. Yeah. When everything finally does turn over. But I think we, with the Jeff Carter uh, trade and the, now signing for a few more years, we are at the point of screw the minor league system again. We're going all in to win now while we can. And I don't totally hate that idea either. <laughs> But eventually, you do got to look at the youth and maintain some success here. Yeah. There's just question marks with the youth right now because, well, Sam Poulin was just healthy scratched a couple of times. He was. And has seemed to bounce back. That's good. And all of a sudden, Pustinen, of all people, not Legare or Poulin, are your leading scorers of Wilkes-Barre. Yeah. So there's just question marks. Yeah, I don't that, hate it. It's, that's a, they're still good players and can still do something. There's just question marks. Yeah, that's a long conversation that we have to say for another day, whether or not the Penguins should be willing to trade prospects and willing to go all in on this season. Um, because I have a lot of thoughts on that, actually. Whenever You just mentioned it a lot went into my head. Um, so 
with Kasperi Kapanen, and I know we talked earlier in the season about potentially trading a guy like Brian Russ because of his performance issues, but honestly, at this point, somebody just got into the doghouse and Russ has gotten himself out of the doghouse and now we're now Kapanen's on the block. That's what happens, especially with people like us who have followed this team for our entire lives. You get emotional sometimes and we try to keep a level head and try to give it to you guys is straight down the middle, the listeners, obviously. But right now with the way Kasperi Kapanen has been playing, it might be a little emotional, but logically, if it wasn't for the injuries, Kapanen might've been healthy scratched already. So yeah. Yeah. You, you, especially the way that Sullivan treated him on Sunday in the lineup decision. So <laughs> I don't know. Listen, we could go around the circle all day, but at the end of the day, Kasperi Kapanen is in the doghouse of Mike Sullivan. He's in the doghouse of both of us. And we need to see not just a little bit more, but a lot more from him. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's, we've been needing to see a lot more from him. Everyone is pegging him as the guy to carry this team while Crosby and Malkin were out. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We're not getting that. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off this episode with our weekly pens poll. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's sign-up for great odds and even better opportunities. Again, that's when you're at sign-up at DraftKings Sportsbook for promo code THPN. So our Pens poll this week was who will lead the Penguins in scoring during the second half of the season. Obviously, when we asked this, it was a day after that game that clinched the end of the first half of the season. So Sidney Crosby wins this poll. 51% of voters thought Sidney Crosby will lead the Penguins in scoring during the second half. 36% go with the leader in the clubhouse, Jake Gensel, to lead them once again in the second half. Evgeny Malkin wraps up 11% of the vote, and Other gets 2% of the vote. We had a couple comments in, down there. Rory on Twitter said, in goals, Jake Gensel's going to lead them. In points, Sidney Crosby's going to lead them. So I like that little dichotomy of, of choice there. And Ali, who is always on our on our comment section, always on the Hockey Podcast Network streams that I do, she goes in there and says, assuming fully healthy, maybe Chris Letang. And honestly, I don't hate that decision. Letang has been pretty good. He's high up in the Penguin scoring in the first half of the season. Uh, it's something that, honestly, if you bet on a DraftKings Sportsbook, which I don't think those odds are even up, but if those odds were up, you'd get some pretty good uh, you get some pretty good return if, if you bet that and you bet that correctly. So Horwat, who did you think is going to lead the Penguins in the second half of the season? I chose Sidney Crosby just because he is A, Sidney Crosby, and B, uh, ready to take off and take this team over if this depth cannot figure its shit out. Mm-hmm. The, the guy wants to win. He's always wanted to win. It's the only thing he ever wants to do. Yeah. Good on him. He'll take games over. I like the uh, Evgeny Malkin choices as well just because he's back. He's hungry, and he's not screwing this team out of chemistry. Yeah. I think he's going to have a good opportunity to really pop off himself. And Jake Gensel's a good choice, too, just for goal scoring, though. Just like that dichotomy of what Rory mentioned in goals, it'll be Gensel and points, it'll be Crosby. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's fair. I have uh, I voted for Evgeny Malkin, actually. I mean, looking at how he's played, I know he struggled a little bit at 5-on-5, five five, but honestly, he hasn't had line mates. We, we talked about that ad nauseum this entire 
episode. He hasn't really had steady line mates up there. I mean, he started with Jeff Carter on his wing, for Christ's sake. But in 11 games, 12 points. Not bad start for, for Evgeny Malkin since coming back from a knee injury. And then you look, obviously, at the top of it. Jake Gensel, 43 points in 39 games. Crosby has 38 and 33. He's starting to pick up speed a lot. And and Latang, honestly, that's why I don't hate it. He has almost a point a game. He has 40 points and 41 games played. I don't think he's going to lead the team. I think it is not out of the realm of possibility. But to me, I think it's it's Evgeny Malkin. I think he picks it up into a second gear here. And I'm expecting a lot from him in the second half of the season. I think we all are. The fact that he hasn't messed up the chemistry like he wasn't supposed to. Um <laughs> shows that he's going to be a threat for this team. He's going to be a huge help to this team, who, damn it, might need it now all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. One of the hottest teams in the league, not turning into a pumpkin, but they sure are getting there. Yeah, they had a rough stretch there last weekend. They will finish off their pre-All-Star game schedule on Tuesday against the Washington Capitals. Listen, if they lose that game, it'll be four straight, but it'll be at probably... To me, the best time to possibly lose four straight games in the dead center of the season because you have that week to reset, re-energize, and come back out much better on the second half of it. Now, if you get a win, not only do you end the losing streak, but you send the fans home happy before a week off. And that's going to tell basically how everybody feels going into that all-star break. What I'm here to say is if they lose, it's not the end of the world, if anything, it might be the fact that this All-Star break is coming at a great time. It's just going to be a long week off, that's for sure. Yeah, and for what it's worth, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network's favorite hockey troll will be at the game. He will be at PPG Paints Arena, so why not send him home with a huge L to take? Yeah, send him back to Wheeling with a big old L on his forehead. Exactly. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you guys on Thursday. Have a good one, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.